Welcome back to the Walk the Word podcast with me, Pastor James, coming out of Sarah Fellowship in the Kingdom of Bahrain. We are walking through God's Word one chapter a week, and today we get to Exodus chapter two, where we talk about the birth of Moses and his fleeing off to the land of Midian. If you've not read Exodus chapter two in the recent past, go ahead, press pause, and then we'll come back together as we seek to know and grow in God's Word. So Exodus chapter 2 begins like this. It says, A man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. Now we're not given the names of these people here. A man from the house of Levi, and he takes a Levite woman to be his wife. But in chapter 6, we find out that Moses' dad... Is called Amram, and his wife uh, is called Jochebed. And they give birth to a son, which is, we're going to find out in a few verses, is Moses. And we read in Exodus that his mum sees that he is a fine child. Now, if you've ever uh, known any ladies who've had a baby, uh, <laughs> they would all say that theirs is a fine child. Everybody thinks that their children are the most beautiful creatures ever to grace God's green earth. And we read in Hebrews as well. Uh, Hebrews 11.23 says, By faith when Moses was born, his parents hid him for three months because they saw the child was beautiful. Um, so a couple of times in Scripture, we see that Moses is quite easy on the eye as a child. Um, but she hides him for three months because of that command given by Pharaoh that we read at the end of Exodus chapter 1 and that he gave to basically all of Egypt and said, look, um, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast them into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So if you find out that a Hebrew family is at a baby boy, we want to get rid of them. So Moses' mum and dad have this baby boy and they see that he's pretty easy on the eye a fine child, and um, we read in verse 3 that when his mum could hide him no longer, she took him and made a basket of bulrushes and, and covered it in bitumen and, and pitch. Same kind of, so it carries the idea and the meaning, um, same as Noah with the ark. You're taking something and doing all you can, putting stuff on the outside of it to, to make sure it's as waterproof and as floatable uh, as possible. I'm sure there's another sciencey word. Buoyant. It's as buoyant as possible. <laughs> there we go. So she makes this little basket box arc-like thing and she puts the child in it, places him on the reeds by the riverbank. Now, and his sister, later on in Exodus, we find out this is Miriam. So Miriam's standing at a distance to see what's going to be done to him. And as this basket box arc-like thing is put into the river, the daughter of Pharaoh comes down to bathe in the river while her young woman walked by the side. She sees the basket coming along. Maybe she hears it as well. And she goes to it and gets it and um, opens it. Curiosity turns into compassion when she sees there's a baby in it and the baby was crying. So maybe she heard this thing floating down the river. So her curiosity turned to compassion 
And she took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. And then Miriam pops out and says, do you want me to go and get a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter says, yep, off you go, go get one. So the girl goes back and and calls her own mum. So in this wonderful display of providence, Moses has been saved from this command to kill all the Hebrew boys. He's been actually put into the river, which is kind of what Pharaoh asked for, cast them into the Nile. But through the, the, the providence of God here, the ordering of circumstances and people, and just God's control over his creation, he's picked out of the river by somebody whose curiosity turned to compassion. Miriam then pops out. Was it planned that she would follow this basket? Maybe, maybe not. We just don't know. Miriam pops up and says, do you want a Hebrew nurse for this Hebrew baby? And the Pharaoh's daughter very wisely says, "Uh, yep. So she goes and gets her own mum. So now we've gone from Moses' parents defying Pharaoh in, in, in keeping this boy alive, floating him in the river, God's providentially protected and provided for Moses in the placement of Pharaoh's daughter in the right place in the right time. So he's protected, he's provided, now he's going to prosper him. Because we read that uh, Pharaoh's daughter said, take this child away, nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child, that's Moses' mum, takes Moses and nurses him, cares for him, raises him under protection of Pharaoh's daughter, and she's actually been paid to do it. So we've gone from protecting, providing for, now Moses is going to prosper. We read in verse 10 that when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And all the royal privileges that that would have entailed went along with it. She named him, this is Pharaoh's daughter, she named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. And it sounds like the Hebrew word, for the Hebrew verb to draw out, to pull out of. It's a bit of a pun that she pulled him out of the water. There's a, a little bit of a case to be made that it also sounds like it's a fairly common uh, Egyptian name. But um, obviously Exodus is focused on God's people and, and their Hebrewness, which is why this is recorded, I would suggest. So, Moses is now known as Moses, and um, he learns and grows and lives. And uh, when he's about 40 years old, we know that from Acts chapter 7, he went out to his people. So he, he grew up as this Egyptian prince, but he knew who he was. He goes out to his people and looked on their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. So he's identifying with the Hebrew in that, in that fight, not the Egyptian. He looked this way and that, seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Now the fact that he looks around and sees no one then does the deed and kills this guy and hides his body in the sand. The two things there tell us the looking around, seeing no one, then he hides the body in the sand, tells us that Moses knew that this was not right. And then he goes back out the next day, and there are two Hebrews struggling together. There's a different fight going on. So he goes over to the guy who's in the wrong in this um, disagreement, 
says, what are you doing? You know, let's not fight. And he turns on Moses and said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian? And then Moses was afraid, we read, and thought, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. And Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Midian, being a son of one of Abraham's concubines, um, wasn't viewed uh, legally and inheritance-wise the same as uh, Isaac. But we read in Genesis 25, uh, to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the east country. And that's how we are able to read in Exodus. Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, sits down by a well. And then we read that a priest of Midian, who will be named in a couple more verses, and then he is known by a different name next week in chapter 3. This priest of Midian has seven daughters. They come out to draw water, but some shepherds come and try and get rid of the girls. Moses stands up and saves them. This is the third time that he's put himself in this position of trying to save people and deliver people and rescue people from trouble. The Hebrew in the fight with the Egyptians, the two Hebrew guys speaking, and now the daughters of the priest of Midian. And we read in Acts that Moses was hoping that the people would see him as a savior deliverer type of person. Acts chapter 7 Verse 25 says that he, Moses, supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving him salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. So he obviously saw himself as a bit of a, a defender of the everyman, as a bit of a, a savior-type person, you know, putting things right, righting the wrongs that he sees in the world. We're in Exodus 2.17, then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. They go home to their father, Ruel, that's the priest of Midian, and he wants to know how you've got this job done so quickly, how you've watered the flock so quickly. And they said, the daughter said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. Remember, Moses is not an Egyptian, is he? He's Hebrew. Uh, whether they noticed him and noted him as an Egyptian because of how he spoke, how he dressed, we're not sure, but something gave them the impression that Moses was an Egyptian. Ruel, this priest of Midian, says, Where is he? Why have you left him out there? Go and get him so he can come and share a meal with us. Culturally, it's a huge deal. It's a big thing to share a meal with somebody, to break bread with somebody in that part of the world. In those customs and in that culture, it's inviting them into the family, it's expressing bonds of friendship, and it, it's a bigger deal than inviting somebody out for dinner as you or me maybe would now. So go and get him, bring him here, that he may eat bread. And we read that Moses was content to dwell with the men. He gave Moses his daughter, Zipporah. Zipporah means a little bird, which is kind of a nice name. And she gives birth to a son, and they call him Gershom which sounds like the Hebrew word for, for alien, kind of resident foreigner. The idea behind that name, I'm going to suggest to you, is that this boy was born to Moses while Moses was in exile. You know, Gershom's mum, Zipporah, she's not in exile. She's not sojourning anywhere, but it's Moses who is in exile. You know, he doesn't belong here. He knows that deep down, these are not his people. 
Then we read, she gave birth to a son, Zipporah gave birth to a son, and he called his name, Moses named him Gershom, and he said, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. And then between now and the start of chapter 3, 40 years go past. 40 years of Moses working the land, having the difficult, tough, physical job of, of shepherding. And he's in this wilderness looking after his father-in-law's flocks. He's getting to know this area very, very well, which will become very, very important for him as he leads God's people through that land. And then we read in verse 23 that during those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. So many conclusions that we could draw from that, aren't there? God knew. God knew that now was the right time to act. God knew that the people were in the right frame of mind and spiritual condition. God knew that Moses was now ready. But we simply read that God knew. And we know that now was the time that God decided to intervene, to get involved. And the first step in that, the first step, we'll read about next week in Exodus chapter 3. Next week then, in Exodus chapter 3, we'll talk about that really well-known Bible story of Moses and the burning bush. But until then, 